Welcome to Motivation Insiders, the podcast that explores the way incentive, recognition, and loyalty programs are designed, implemented, and measured. We look at motivation with an exclusive view from, well, the inside. This podcast is published with the support from the Incentive Marketing Association and its affiliate, the Board of Directors for the Incentive and Engagement Solution Providers. This episode is also sponsored by Recognition Professionals International. RPI is a nonprofit association of business professionals committed to leading through recognition and appreciation. Members of RPI have exclusive access to best practices, networks, strategies, thought leadership, education, and professional recognition certification, all focused on engaging and retaining talent. If you would like to become a member of this leading recognition-focused organization, check out their website at www.recognition.org. And with that, my name is Tim Houlihan, and I'm your host for Motivation Insiders. In this episode, we're going to focus on what you need to know about trends in the workplace and what you, as a business leader, can do about them. We're going to approach these trends by sharing insights from a couple of guests who lead teams and who develop and implement policies that impact their people. And in keeping with past episodes, we're going to process it through a behavioral science lens. But before we get into the trends themselves, we should all agree on what a trend actually is. I spoke with Rohit Bhargava, the New York Times bestselling author of Non-Obvious Megatrends. He has been collecting, categorizing, and naming trends for 10 years, and I thought he'd be a good person to start our discussion on trends by helping us out with a definition. A trend is something that implicates behavior, which is <laughs> very topical for us, uh, whereas a fad is just usually a thing or a platform, uh, but doesn't always correlate to behavior. So, spoiler alert, we don't have the answer to the question, what will the new normal be? Like you, everybody is still figuring that out, but maybe these trends will help point us in the right direction. I also want to say, it has been difficult to pick just a few trends. We have so many new work habits, and many of those are emerging as trends. But this isn't a nine-week course to discuss them all. It's a 25-minute podcast to help business leaders focus on what they need to do today. So let's get focused, and let's start by peeling off the top layer to help business leaders deal with their employees. The first trend is what we call adaptive elasticity. The words literally mean traits that enhance survival, or the ability to stretch. Combined, adaptive elasticity refers to the underlying need for employers to stretch in order to survive. The first component of adaptive elasticity is flexibility. Brian Galanik, president and owner of All Star Incentive Marketing, compared the challenges he's facing today as an employer to what it can be like when you're dealing with the weather. Well, honestly, it, it feels like as an employer, it's... Um... I'm up here in the Northeast and we're about to get what's called a bombogenesis. I've never heard the term before, but basically it's a big storm. That's really what's going on. It's a big storm and it's not um, its not the kind that goes comes and goes so quickly you can ignore it. So the, my answer to your question is you have to look at everything because the, your, your likelihood of losing employees at a rapid pace relative to what you're used to, and in some cases, the most valuable employees you have has never been greater. So I would advise companies to start with literally what in what way do we interact with our employees 
from every single benefit, healthcare, 401k, stock options, training, career pathing, and, and really probably a list of 50 more. You have to look at every one of those things and, and ask if you're maximizing your ability to stay connected with your employees. So, Brian, what does that mean in terms of flexibility? I mean, in my own world, I have employees that that greatly prefer to be in the building and would generally choose to, to do so on most occasions, other than situation where they had a contractor coming by their house and they really needed to work from home that day, and others who would never come in again if I allowed them to. And at this point, I don't feel like I'm holding any of the chips. And so I accommodate both of those. And I see a lot of that in, in the uh, companies we work with as well. This same sentiment was echoed by Ashley Green, a senior manager at Verizon Wireless. Ashley began our conversation by focusing on why all of this matters. It's the people. I would say that, you know, it's making sure that you, you understand each in the, each individual, right? That, you know, if you're thinking about it from a team perspective and as a leader of that team, it's making sure that you're connecting in at a personal level, professional, obviously, you know, work-related level with your employees. But knowing just really, I think, I think the key is it's not about just all the work that gets done because that, that you, you build processes, you build um, strategies to, to get there. And that naturally will happen over time. But I think the key is being able to provide the support, the guidance, and really being there, you know, building out the cultural side of things, you know, making sure people really feel like they're connected in and part of, um, you know, really the overall unit. So, Ashley, how should adaptive elasticity for employers be framed to their employees? Yeah, I, I would say I think it's it's almost like it's a new benefit that's shown up right in our space. And I I. I you know, even thinking personally for myself, um, knowing that I moved for the, you know, for the company and opportunities years ago, now that I'm at home and working, um, you know, we have, and, and that's where the company has even, you know, opened up kind of those barriers, right? You don't have to work within certain mile radius of a call center or show up in, in, in or show up in an office. Um, you know, I can work in almost almost every state in the U.S. and and that's a choice that I can make. So it almost is like an ex, like I said, an extra benefit. And this brings up an important behavioral science element: framing. We do it naturally, like the way we emphasize our strengths in an interview. Because it's so familiar, we sometimes lose track of how important a tool framing is. Ashley's company has turned the "you have to do your job from home" thing into. Find a position that suits you anywhere in the country. And that's a meaningful benefit right there. The second key component to adaptive elasticity is to expand your recognition to include a robust peer-to-peer -peer recognition element. Peer-to-peer -peer recognition allows individual employees to recognize and sometimes reward each other directly rather than only having recognition come from the company's leaders. I ask Brian how important recognition is in this era with everyone working remotely. I mean, at what situation would somebody say, God, I wish they'd stop thanking me for doing a good job, right? So really the call for, and Tim, just to expand on that for a second, the call for peer-to-peer -peer recognition has never been greater. So manager-to-peer recognition needs to be there, obviously, needs to be in a structured program, and it needs to be as public as, as it should be in any given situation. Peer-to-peer -peer recognition went from kind of a nice idea 
to a sort of good to have to what I would consider now a must have. Your recognition platform can give, well, some can, uh, and you need one that does, allow your employees to recognize and reward each other and to make that seamless and to have a social wall that, that highlights that activity and, and to certainly have an eye towards video and augmented reality and you know, types of productions that would further further make that a, you know an enjoyable experience to see that you know that this person was recognized and so i want my employees to recognize and reward each other within the framework of a company program that i've built for them and funded for them uh, because i know full well that's going to help keep people engaged and more likely to stay with the company ashley expanded on that idea and added the importance of getting beyond recognizing people only for the tasks they perform at work making sure even in today's world i've, I've found that um, nomination-based, um, you know, kind of peer-to-peer um, recognition is is very key, and it's it, to me, it's more obviously. I, I feel like, at least in my world, it's it's growing and it's it's um, helped people really be able to recognize the person right next to you, or it could be somebody in a whole different part of the organization, but that you really are all in it together. I believe that it has to be built or it has to be in a way that is easy, right? It's, it's, um, there's whether you use a platform or some sort of visual aid to help support that instead of, I think, you know, years ago it used to be, well, I'll send this person an email or I might call them out in a meeting. It has to be cared for in all different ways, right? Digital has definitely grown for us so we can do that, you know, whether, it's through, um, you know, texting or, you know, we, we, we've used some different types of um, programs in our business to have like e-cards that are very customized, very personalized messages that it can be shown and shared in a community platform that others can see and acknowledge um, their bosses get copied. But but ultimately, but ultimately, yeah, the culture piece of it. I mean, it it really helps people feel like they're all in as a as a um, you know, like we're you know, it really is just at the end of the day, you're acknowledging others that are do you know really just showing up. I mean, it doesn't even have to be work related. It could be, um, you know, hey, we you know, I appreciated you bringing up or being open in this conversation. You know. So adaptive elasticity helps employees survive and stretch into this highly dynamic world that business leaders are trying to navigate. And it happens primarily through personalized communication that recognizes the best behaviors of our employees. The second major trend we want to talk about is authentic transparency. Authentic transparency is when the company and its leaders are walking their walk. They're putting their money where their mouth is, especially when it comes to listening to what's important to the employees. Then they need to be transparent in how they express those back to the employees and the candidates for employment. I spoke with Sandra Sutcher, Harvard Business School professor and author of The Power of Trust, How Companies Build It, Lose It, and Regain It. Professor Sutcher works with the largest corporations in the world, and she shared her insights on the importance of clarity and transparency. Companies have responsibility for the people who interact in their sphere. You know, they have that for their employees. They have that for the customers who have contact with their business. And so I don't think it's ever a good idea for a business to shirk from its moral responsibilities. 
Brian upped the stakes, indicating that the trend is first about companies deciding on who they are, communicating it, and bringing it all back to their employees. When it comes to corporate transparency, it's all about communications and honesty, mapping the company's core values to its actions and sharing those consistently with all of its stakeholders, especially its employees. Once a company is transparent about its beliefs, its values, and its actions, its employees will see the value in working there and be more likely to stay and deliver outstanding results for its customers. Ashley also put a fine point on this issue. She suggested that part of authentic transparency is experienced through surveys, listening points that are done frequently and are accompanied by regular feedback and discussion. You know, like let's, you know, let's walk the walk, let's talk the talk, let's let's all stay um, stay together in this. You know, you, I you know I mentioned something about um, like you know whether you're using these or you're using Pulse or you know through Gallup or you're using some type of measurement to to um, understand employee engagement. But what does that mean to the employees taking taking that and diving deeper into that space where? You know, we, we look at not just the results, but now what's the action that's going to come behind that? And how how do we all align on that additional feedback, that additional, hey, we know these things are working, we know these things aren't, so we're going to now address the things that need to be addressed. Um, you know, we're going to collectively go there. I like how she emphasizes honest conversation and action. Companies that only talk and don't walk won't garner any sense of loyalty from their employees. Behavioral science researchers have long held authenticity and consistency as pillars of strong relationships. People are more likely to follow leaders who do what they say they're going to do. And as Brian says, the urgency of the situation has never been greater. If you're not truly deep diving on every aspect, that's where I started off earlier, right? If you're not taking a deep dive with staff, with with people in the room to sit there and brainstorm and whiteboard everything and say, what are we doing to stay connected to our employees even now that we are working remotely and likely to stay that way, you're missing an opportunity. And by the way, if you didn't start it yesterday, you're already late to the game. If you don't start it till tomorrow, you're very late to the game. So authentic transparency comes from being honest with your stakeholders, and in this case, your employees, and telling them who you are as an employer and showing your employers with your actions. Walking the walk is key to authentic transparency. The third major trend we want to address is called wellness to well-being. With wellness to well-being, we see companies transitioning away from eat healthy posters in the lunchroom to rewarding their employees for engaging in community service projects or being part of a regular volunteer operation. Moving from wellness to well-being is like employers moving from a little nudge to walk more to actually rewarding employees for joining the company softball team, the chess team, or communal activities. These are the things that benefit employees' mental and physical health. We know it's important to be physically active, but behavioral science researchers have discovered that living a more psychologically rich life leads to higher levels of happiness and life satisfaction. This, in turn, leads to greater productivity on the job. They all go hand in hand. I asked Brian what he thought of this, and he instantly contrasted this new approach with the old one. I mean, there are companies that have popped up and really done well in the health and wellness space, Clearly, so so there's something out there. There's a there there when it comes to you know when you look at Limeade or Virgin Pulse or any of the other players that have popped up, and there's a myriad of smaller ones as well, whose entire mantra is to help you as a company 
make your employees healthier, both physically, financially, you know, in terms of what they eat, exercise, and and how they manage stress. And now, now in this new world, new more digital world, stress has only gone higher, which is sort of ironic. But a lot of it has to do with you know constantly being in video chat, maybe working past your normal work hours because you're working from home and it's easy to do so. And so that there's been there's a higher need for it than ever before. I highly recommend rewarding people for engaging in that platform, for joining the walking team, you know, the fitness club, for, for any anything, the biking team. And larger companies have volleyball teams and all kinds of things that are that are fitness related, but they're also social activities, which are needed more than ever. You know, so when your own employees in the real world or the virtual world are getting together to compare notes about how much weight they lost or how many steps they had last week, um, you know, just see each other at the financial planning session. Those things become self-replicating. A lot of wellness programs, most wellness programs that don't have recognition and rewards built into them will kind of languish on the vine at 15 to 20% participation. And those that do can push 45 or 50% active participation. And that in and of itself is a retention vehicle and retention is the whole ballgame right now. Ashley, you like to frame this in the larger definition of how important it is to remember that your employee is a whole person, a complex person with lots of things going on in their lives, right? Sure. And, you know, and, and I think that's where we, we should always devote in time as well as our energy in, in thinking about um, not only the work rate that we produce, I mean, we're all here to, to do a job, but it's about, you know, we, we spend the majority of our week with with these employees and we want to make sure that it's a place they want to come and work and be a part of and you know not think of it i mean we all know that it's work but at the end of the day that you want to come to work you want to show up with you know with 100 percent or even more right of, of your energy and focus and and so you know I, I think the key there is to making sure that as we think about our days or weeks or months it's it's the planning process um that we need to interweave um, different interactions. To move from wellness to well-being, employers need to demonstrate ways to recognize the whole employee. As challenging as that sounds, there are companies already doing it. You don't need to feel alone in dealing with these trends. Reach out and get some expert advice from someone in the IMA, RPI, or the IESP. They're happy to help. Lastly, I'd like to challenge you to give some thought to how adaptive elasticity, authentic transparency, and wellness to well-being are playing out in your company right now. You're probably already responding to each of these trends in some way, but are you being proactive? Brian Galanik tasks us to deconstruct all of the employee-related connections and review them with careful detail. Because as he so emphatically noted, if you're starting today, you're late. Thanks to our sponsor, RPI, for supporting this episode of Motivation Insiders. This podcast is a co-production of the IMA, IESP, and Behavioral Grooves. I'm your host, Tim Houlihan, and thank you for listening to Motivation Insiders. We also heard from some terrific experts in this episode, and if you'd like to be in touch with them, their contact information is available in the episode notes. And while you're there, we hope you check out some of the other episodes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.